Let us pray together. Our great God, we are here to listen. We are here to listen of what great things You have done for us. Father, we thank You for the privilege of coming. And now we ask You to come through the power of the Spirit into this room to fill this place, to make this Your home. To make this holy ground because You are here with us. And oh God, how we long to listen. To listen to the voice of a God who loves and who lives. A God who will use the voice of His people to crumble walls. A God who would rescue a Canaanite harlot because she was His. Father, come and rescue us again this morning. Rescue us from our fears. Rescue us from our sins. Rescue us from our doubts. And draw us afresh to Yourself. We're here to listen. Speak. And Father, would You speak through a broken vessel. Do that which only You can do. Father, would You open up our ears to hear Your voice and Your voice alone. Father, would You use the Holy Spirit to shine the light of God and Scripture into our minds so that we can understand what does Rahab's story have to do with Christmas? And what does a Canaanite harlot have to do with me? Because God, her story is our story. Because it's Your story. A story of love and a story of rescue. The true Christmas story. So let our minds understand. And Father, take our hearts. And if there are hearts here of stone that are unbelief, God, remove those and give each of us fresh ears and fresh hearts to hear this story. To embrace that this story is our own. Father, empower our feet. So that we could leave here as children of God in a manner worthy of a king with great joy that we are loved and we have been rescued and we have been set free. Set us free again today. We pray in Christ's powerful name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Very good. If you weren't here last week, uh, we looked at uh, the story of Tamar. This Advent season, we are going to be looking through Jesus' genealogy. And I know if you're just here for the first time thinking, great, this preacher's picked the genealogy to preach from. But hang on, because it's amazing. You just heard Rahab's story. Rahab the harlot. And her story has been woven in to a story of rescue. Man, her story, you ready for this? Makes its way to the pages, not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament. Because Rahab, this harlot, she's in Jesus' lineage. Jesus' line. It's an incredible, incredible story. Last week we looked at Tamar, another woman, really, if you look at her on the surface, maybe has questionable character. Uh, Someone who uh, did some pretty risque things in the name of the Lord. And last week we saw that she was a heroine. She really was. What an incredible, brave woman of faith. 
who believe God's promises in many ways rescued and saved Christmas. And so when I tell the people Merry Christmas and they say thank you Tamar, we realize that God uses women like Tamar to rescue us in our story because they bring us to Jesus. And now we have reason to say Merry Christmas. Thank you, Rahab. Thank you, Rahab. Unbelievably, God uses her also to rescue us and point us to Jesus, the one who will ultimately give us life. So Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right, very good. It's an amazing, amazing story. Rahab, a woman with a scandalous past. I mean, scandalous. This poor woman. She's been given a title. The title of the harlot. And no matter what she does, she never loses it. (laughs) Even some incredible righteous stuff. I mean, the book of James in the New Testament is going to talk about Rahab, but still gives her the title, Rahab the harlot. The book of Hebrews is going to talk about the hall of fame of faith. Men and women who showed incredible faith in God. And yet still, she's got that moniker, Rahab the harlot. Because Rahab, like many of us, had a scandalous past. A past that seemed to shape her whole identity. A past that the world would know her by. But that's not what God saw. And that's not what God knows her by. He knows her by daughter. He knows her by beloved. If you're here today, and you come with a past. You come with a story that you're not real proud of. And maybe even it's a story that's so scandalous that if we knew it, you'd think that we'd ask you to leave. That's not the story here at this church. Because the story of this church is each one of us comes with a scandalous past of brokenness and sin. And each one of us has a tagline that we could be identified for some stupid things we have done or said or become. But the story of Christmas is a story of rescue. That our story doesn't have to be shaped by our past or by our sins. Our story is shaped by a God who loves. A God who heals. A God who rescues sinners like Rahab and sinners like us. This woman with a scandalous past who becomes an amazing woman of faith. We can't miss this. I mean, her faith is absolutely amazing. Where did she get it? How did she hear? How did she know? How did she have such incredible faith and whose faith became the key? The key that God used to open up the promised land. Just like Tamar last week believed in the promise of a coming seed. A seed that would rescue mankind. Rahab believed in God's promises of a promised land to come. And God used her to open up that promised land. In December, 41 years ago, in December 1947, Corey Tenboom was honored as one of the righteous among the nations by the state of Israel for her heroism during World War II. Maybe you know Corey Tenboom's story. It's an amazing story of a Dutch woman and her family who loved God, who believed in Jesus who believe that God has called them to love not only Him, but their neighbors as themselves. And so when the Nazis invaded their land, they knew they had to act. They knew they had to put their faith 
in action. Their love in action. And the Ten Boom home became a place of shelter, a place of rescue for Jews. Matter of fact, they made a secret place in their house known as the hiding place. And because of what she has done, she was awarded by the state of Israel, the righteous among the nations. What an incredible life. It was February of 1944 where the Nazis would arrest her and her family. Uh, They had come before. They had come before and they said, okay, let me know. We hear you're housing Jews. Where are they? They looked through the house. And Corey Ten Boom, this woman of faith, would have to do something that she didn't feel comfortable doing, but preserving life, she willingly did it. She lied. She lied. We don't have Jews here. We're not hiding them. But she knew she was able to take that risk because she knew that God was calling her to show love in action. Eventually, in February 1944, she and her family was arrested for such activities, taken to concentration camps, There she lost her sister Betsy. She lost her father during imprisonment. And it was Betsy who said in prison, listen to this, listen to this Christian testimony of faith. In the midst of being in prison, she says, there is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. Now let's just stop right there and just let those words revolve in our minds as we think of the absolute evil of the Third Reich, the evil of Nazi concentration camps, the evil that she would see firsthand. And yet, in the midst of that evil, she would know and experience God's love. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. God's people said, Amen. Rahab experienced that love in the midst of a pit. A very deep pit. Rahab is honored as, as well as one of the righteous among the nations. No, it's not by the state of Israel. She's honored in the Bible. This woman, known as a harlot, is righteous. In the Hebrews 11, this hall of fame of faith is going to say she had an incredible deep faith in God. And that faith was credited to her as righteous. She too, like Corey Tenboom, hid Jews. She too lied to the authorities about where their whereabouts were. But God saw what she did in her their eyes as righteous. Rahab, it's an amazing story, was both a rescuee and a rescuer because of her faith in God. And I'll tell you right now, That's each and every one of our calls who have been rescued by God. We need to be both rescued and rescuers. And Christmas, this is the celebration of it. This is the celebration that God has become man to rescue His family and to fulfill His promise. That's what Christmas is all about. It's a celebration that God had one story before time began. A story of a God who loves that would come and rescue sinners like us. The entire Old Testament points to the need that we need to be rescued. And all the rescuers up to that point failed. We needed God Himself to become man, to become flesh, and to come and to seek and to save His family. Those who were lost. Those who deserve death and hell. That's the story of Christmas. Has it intersected your heart yet? 
It intersected the heart of Rahab. Rahab is proof that God rescues each member of his family. He's not going to lose one. Even if they have a title of a Canaanite prostitute, he's not going to lose one. The entire month of November, we looked at the doctrines of grace. We looked at how God does rescue and save his children. And we should all want to jump up and down and say, Yahoo, God. Because in a nation that was about to be destroyed because of wickedness, there was one you saw that was righteous because of faith. There was one that was yours. There was one that you preserved. Rahab and her family. I got to tell you, it's interesting to preach on Rahab, especially about Christmas time. And especially interesting to read through the commentaries about Rahab. Because, you know, religious people don't always like talking about prostitutes. You know, all of us know the scandals of religious people involved with prostitutes. But somehow, we want to clean the Bible up. Somehow, God will present someone to us like Rahab, uh, tell us about her and, and her story, and we just kind of cringe. I mean, come on, Jesus, and your lineage? I mean, why would you have to mention her name? I mean, Rahab the harlot? We kind of want to clean her up. Matter of fact, some of the commentators, it's, it's, it's almost comical. Some of the commentators will look at the word harlot that she's uh, named at, both in the Hebrew and the Septuagint translated to Greek. They'll say, well, really, it could be innkeeper. It could be innkeeper. Okay? So I think that more than anything, she was an innkeeper. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, it doesn't seem right that she was uh, uh, involved in the oldest profession of mankind, you know? So... Let's just clean her up a little bit and say she was an innkeeper. As a matter of fact, she hid the spies and she uses these flax. Uh, she uses these dry cotton things. And you know what? That was the same word used in Proverbs 31 for a virtuous woman. She's a virtuous woman. She's actually a virtuous innkeeper. And we all feel better. So yeah, whew. And I was a little nervous about that for a little while. I mean, they called her a harlot. How do we associate that with God's family? And I want to tell you, don't clean her up. Let God do it. Listen, don't clean her up. The story's a whole lot more beautiful that God loves sinners. Sinners with a moniker that's called a harlot. The story's so much beautiful that where we find her, what she has done, it's glorious. Don't rob God the glory by saying, well, she really wasn't that bad. She was worse. She's a woman of faith. Listen, that should scream to all of our souls. It doesn't matter who we are, where we've been. He loves sinners. He rescues sinners. He cleans us up. I know last week uh, the sermon was a little bit racy. And I, I loved hearing uh, from one family talk about their, their lunch with their fourth grade boy asking questions. In a bit, I want to say I, I am sorry, yet it's God's Word. It's God's Word. And, and, I, and I love the, the detail and the color and the beauty and the lack of pulling punches. You see, God found some of us in some pretty bad places, didn't He? God found us, and each one of us deserved hell, certainly like Rahab. You know, who she was makes the story beautiful, a harlot. Where she was makes the story marvelous. Let's take a minute for that. 
She was in Canaan, the promised land, okay? Now here's what God told His people about the promised land. He said, this is going to be holy land. I'm going to be with you here. Um, This is going to be a place where I dwell with you and it has to be holy. Therefore, we have to rid the entire place of evil. And that place is filled with evil. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go in there and I'm going to go with you. Amazingly, I'm going to so much go with you that I'm just going to use you to shout. And you're going to use your voices to knock down walls at Jericho. And as you start proceeding into the promised land, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to bring fear to everyone's heart. And I want you to do this. When you go into the promised land, and it's hard for us to understand this because it seems like that God is an angry, mean God right here. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to make the place holy, set it aside for me. So what you're going to do is you're going to wipe them all out. I mean, I mean, all of them, wipe them all out. I mean, even the cattle, wipe them out. And we all sit there and we cringe. It's like, are you kidding me, God? How, how could you do that genocide? It was an evil, evil place. And yet there was one who had faith that he rescued. Look at his mercy. I mean, think of Sodom and Gomorrah. If there's just one, will you come and rescue? Sometimes we want to ask the question, well, what about those who, who live in a far place? Uh, what about those who, who haven't heard? What about those who don't have what we have? God never misses one of his sheep. Even if they're a harlot in a land about to be destroyed, he's going to come get his child. He's going to lay his life down for them and he's going to rescue them. Don't clean her up. Let God do it. And the story is unbelievably beautiful. And we see how pagan she was and how pagan the land was. And we all say, to God be the glory. What is in a name? Well, it's important. Christmas time, we've got to know what is in a name. Let's start with Jesus. Jesus is given the name Jesus. Why? Because of Matthew 1.21. It says why he was given the name of Jesus. Because he is the Savior of the world. His name means Savior. He is the one and only Savior. And it's our hope and prayer that each of you know Him personally as your Lord and Savior. That's what His name means. And I love this about Jesus is that Mary and Joseph could not name their child, their firstborn. Well, not really Joseph's firstborn. Mary's. They couldn't name him. And that's, a, that's a, what a privilege it is for parents to be able to name their child and be able to have some meaning with that name. We have Eden born. I'm going to talk more about it at the end of the service. And, and Silas, two more roses here. And how much uh, joy for the Swansons and the Scriptures to name their children. You can ask them, what does it mean? Why Silas? Why Eden? But for God, He didn't give them that right because they didn't have any authority over God's Son. He already came named. His name is Jesus. Why? Because He's Savior of the world. He also has a title. He is Christ. The Lord. Clearly in Luke 2, uh, the angels will proclaim this Jesus is going to be Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. The Lord is His title. Rahab, she had a name too. And she had a title. Alright, let's talk about her name. Rahab, Rahab. You know what it means? Broad. To be broad. I mean, who names their daughter that? That's my broad. A little broad. She's going to grow up to be a harlot. I mean, I don't know what the parents are thinking. Don't know why. But you hear the name Rahab. And if you were familiar with uh, Hebrew, right away you think, ooh, 
names her daughter Broad. And then the title, The Harlot. Her name and her moniker are anything less than flattering, and she never seemed to lose them. But God loved her anyway. Ever think about those names with titles? Simon the, anybody know? Simon the Old, in the New Testament, Simon the Leper. That's a nice one. Who are you? I'm Simon the Leper. Oh, good to see you. Jack the Minnie the Mouse. Moocher, I'm thinking Moocher. All right. Are there any ones that are good? Well, Rahab may have been called Rahab the harlot, but the reality is Rahab is the heroine of faith. Heroine of faith. What's in your name? What's in your name? What title would those around you give to you? I'm so proud of the name Jake's. In the English language, it means outhouse, <laughs> privy. You should see our coat of arms. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. <laughs> Does your name include Jesus' name? Has it been a name that's been rescued? You see, the amazing story that Tricia so eloquently told us and read is the rescue of a a heroine harlot of faith named Rahab. Rahab has a faith in Yahweh that that Yahweh will save her and her family. And that faith led her to the lineage of Jesus. And i got to say, how did she hear about God? Think about it. I mean, she's in a really pagan land. How did she know? I mean, she knows a lot. I mean, we're going to talk about some of the things she knows in just a minute. But how did she hear about God? You know, I don't know this, and I'm, I'm stepping out a little bit because this is outside of, of what God's Word tells us. But I imagine for those that Rahab housed, must have told them the story of these Israelites. I mean, she heard, she heard about the Red Sea opening up. Uh, she heard about the plagues in Egypt. I mean, she heard about deliverance of God's people. And by God's grace, she believed. By God's grace, she had faith. Everyone else's hearts were melting with fear. By God's grace, Rahab's heart was melting with faith. Rahab finally found true love. Not in all of the men that she had known who would use her for their own selfish gain. Somehow, by God's grace, God entered into her home and revealed Himself as the God who is Yahweh, who rescues His people, who fulfills His promises, this Lord of heaven and earth. And she discovered true love there and there alone. Amazingly, in the midst of all of her clientele, God found her. And adopted her into his family. Thank you for loving us like that, God. Rahab had faith in God's promise of a land for his people. Joshua 2.9. Let's look at Joshua. We're going to look at for a few minutes in, in Joshua 2. Trissa read this for us. Joshua 2.9, verses 9 through 11. Rahab said to the spies before they lay down, 
I know, I know, this is her confession of faith, that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And we have heard what they have done to the kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. Why? For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and earth below. Amazingly, Rahab had faith in God's promises. Just like last week, Tamar had faith in God's promise of a seed. Now we have Rahab in God's promise of a land for his people. God had promised it in Exodus 3.8 that He is going to give this land to them. Exodus 3.17, Exodus 13.5. So many places God has said, I'm leading you to this promised land. Rahab, by God's grace, had faith knowing that where she lived was holy ground. It was God's. And she had faith. Rahab had faith in God's power over heaven and earth in a pagan land where there were many gods who were worshipped. In a pagan land where there are many God's names that were called out. She says, I know Yahweh. Yahweh is Lord of heaven. Yahweh is Lord of earth. And I believe. Rahab had faith in God's power. Rahab had faith in God's provision of fear over his enemies. She said, our hearts are melting away. If you have your Bibles, turn me to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15, I'm going to pick up uh, in 15, the second part of 15 and 16. It says this, God promised this. This is so glorious of God's promise. He says, the people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. Rahab knew this. And she confirmed that it was true. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as a stone until your people pass by, Lord until the people you brought by, brought pass by. She believed that God would provide even the provision of fear against His enemies. She had that faith. Rahab had faith in God's fulfillment of His promises. She put that scarlet cord in her window saying, I believe. I believe in God's covenant promises. And think of that scarlet cord, maybe like the blood over a doorpost in the Passover. Maybe like the blood of Christ that covers us, that we are passed over from judgment. Rahab believed. She demonstrated her belief. And because by God's grace she believed, she was saved. She was rescued. She's part of the family. She's part of our family. Part of her family. An incredible woman of faith, this Rahab. She had room at the end of her life. Room for God's family. I love the fact that Rahab was all about family. When she's negotiating with a spy, saying, my life for your life, I believe. And I know what God is going to do. I believe. My life for your life. And by the way, my life for my family too. At the time, she had a mom and a, and a dad and, and some brothers and sisters. No husband mentioned. Solomon is coming. God's going to provide. Boaz, a righteous man, is coming. More about their story next week. But she cared deeply about family. 
And here's the beauty of our God. He's a covenant God who rescued the whole family. There was room for God's plan in her life. Is there room for God's plan in your life? Let's think about God's plan for her. Everything you know is going to be destroyed, Rahab. The whole town, your friends, your neighbors, they're going to be gone. All those of you have, you have known, they're all going to be gone. You and you alone, Rahab, are going to be rescued. Think of how inconvenient God's plan was to her. Think of how inconvenient for what she had known and how her life had proceeded to that point. But she had room for God's plan. As terribly as inconvenient as it was. But we also got to realize this. Listen, God's plan is always the safest place we could be. Do you hear that? God's plan is always the safest place, the most loving place we can be. You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of churches right now are under attack for standing up for right and wrong. Uh, churches that we necessarily uh, wouldn't agree with a lot of their theological doctrine. One of them is uh, the Church of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they've really, since uh, the elections and uh, the pass of an amendment uh, to not make legal homosexual marriages and their support of that, uh, man, they, they, they've been under attack. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church has taken a stance that They've come under attack for some things. And you know what God tells me? Your day's coming. Your day's coming. When you stand up for truth, when you stand up for what's right, there's going to be people who don't like it. And there's going to be people who say to us, who in the world are you to tell me how to live? Now, who in the world are you to tell me what's right and wrong? And I'll tell them, I'm nobody. Don't listen to me. But let's listen to him we got to be the safest place in the world for sinners. Why? Because Rahab the harlot is part of our story. Because Jesus comes to rescue sinners like us. But the safest place we can be is in God's will. is in God's Word. And if we really love our neighbors as ourselves, we will unapologetically tell them truth. You want truth? God's wrath is coming against sin. You want truth? Hide yourself in Christ and His blood and in righteousness. You want happiness? Happiness is only found. Peace is only found in Jesus. Forgiveness is only found in Jesus. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That is loving our neighbors. Unapologetically. With love. There's tension here because Rahab the harlot's in. And yet the safest place for her to be in is in the belief that God will provide. His plan is best. My whole world is going to crumble, but I'm going to stand on Christ the solid rock. She had room for God's covenant. I love it. I mean, that scarlet cord in the window, I believe, I believe, I believe that God will provide. Is there room for God's plan in the end of your life. What's it look like? Are you just giving him the spare room? I mean, where is he, this Christmas story? Where, where is Jesus? Is he Lord of your life? Is 
he Lord of your calendar? Is he Lord of your checkbook? I mean, is he King of kings and Lord of lords of all of you who you have? Easy for me to say. Or do you just give him a little spare room? Maybe something like we decorate for a while and pack back up when season's over. What about for our lives? Is the room? Can I ask you this question? What is associated with your name? Is Jesus the name that is above every name associated with your name? It's amazing that He will associate His name with us. It's amazing that He'll come to a a, a harlot named Rahab and say, you're in, and I love you, and you're mine. I'm going to clean you up, and I really love you. It's amazing. He gives us His name. Is that name associated with all that you do? The name of Christ and all your contacts, all your relationships? Unbelievably, He rescues harlots. He rescues sinners so that we can be His ambassadors. So that we can be His rescuers. And here's the beautiful thing. We don't have to hide our brokenness because that's the compelling part of our story. The compelling part of our story is that we're so broken and so deserving death, but we get life. We get love. We don't have to hide it. We just live boldly for Him and say, but Jesus really is the reason Put whatever you want with my name, but just make sure Jesus is associated there because that's where I find life. That's where I find forgiveness. That's where I find meaning. That's the name that is above every name. What shall make your heart melt with fear this Christmas season? It's a lot to fear right now. I mean, our economy, uh, um, job loss, there's a lot to fear. Certainly we see a whole nation melting with fear. What is melting your heart with fear this Christmas? Let me remind you of a few things. God has rescued us. Are you His? What do you have to fear? Listen, He's rescued us. We're His. Hell is not going to separate us from Him. Death is not going to separate us from Him. We're His. He is ours. He's given us His Son. He will freely give us all things. What are we to fear if God has rescued us? God has conquered our greatest enemies. He truly has conquered death. It has no more sting. He truly has conquered sin. It is finished. The power of sin has been broken. The penalty of sin has been paid He's conquered our greatest enemy. It's defeated. We're living and battling against a defeated foe. What do we have to fear? God is with us. That is the proclamation of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. What do we have to fear? He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We can never go anywhere outside of His protection, His love, and His presence. God is with us. What do we have to fear? I know things are, are difficult for many of us. And when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we put them on the things around us, our economy, our future, our families, and fear comes in, we say, Jesus, come. Because perfect love drives out fear. 
And our response needs to be faithfulness to the One who's rescued us to hang that scarlet cord in our windows and say, we believe. And we need to be like Rahab. She was rescued to be a rescuer. And so are we. Listen, this Christmas story, you are the story in Christ. You are the story. You're the story of those who have been rescued and set free to bring reconciliation to the world. Go. Go without fear. Go and sing that God comes for those like Rahab. Go and sing that God comes like those like you and me so that we can become a part of His family. That's good news. Let us pray. Father, we thank You that You have come to rescue us. And we thank You for Rahab. What an incredible story of rescue. In the midst of a Canaanite town that was about to be destroyed, You had one that was Yours. And You went and got her. And God, we thank You that the world may call her harlot, but You call her daughter, beloved, child, faithful, righteous, beautiful. And Father, that is what You call us. Your children. Beautiful. Beloved. Rescued. Cleansed. Mine. And You'll never change Your mind about us. We thank You. Father, by Your grace, You have rescued us. By Your grace, You have set us free. And God, now as we give back to You a portion of what You've given to us, we have such joy knowing that we don't have to do this trying to earn Your love. We already have it. We don't have to do this to try to buy rescue. We've already been rescued. But God, we do this out of obedience and we do this out of the fact that we want to acknowledge and show to You and show to the world that we believe We believe that even during hard economic times that You call us to give and to tithe. And not to do so would be robbing You. So Father, we ask that You would come and bless the cheerful giver. You would bless these tithes and offerings and that You would use them to advance Your kingdom. And that You would continue to be merciful on sinners like us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.